0: Hey, we've got uh, Brendan Woodruff here from GoCharlie, and we're wondering if you could go ahead and give us your elevator pitch.
1: Yeah. So I'm Brendan Woodruff, co-founder and COO of GoCharlie.ai. GoCharlie.ai yeah. is inventing the marketing assistant that is of the future. So we use artificial intelligence to not only help you create content that tells your brand story, but you can also use Charlie as an assistant for coming up with marketing strategies, uh, coming up with different target audiences to reach and even adapt your messaging to different platforms all in a couple clicks.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And can you walk us through how you came to this idea?
1: Yeah. So uh, it was, you know, a lesson of trial and error. I think we as a company had dealt with marketers at various points of our career. And we realized that there's just a lot of ambiguity in the industry. There's a lot of fancy words that are utilized to confuse people which is not so different from financial services which is where was previously previously in and we started to think about the generative ai technology in general and its unique capabilities and it's first and foremost a, a new ai to create things secondly it's able to be adapted to different sets of data and information in fact it becomes more powerful when it is and in mm-hmm. third it was vastly cheaper than most every other software that we've ever seen really to this point. And so what we started to think about was, all right, how can we apply those capabilities? And both of my parents uh, were entrepreneurs at the time. Mm -hmm. And I saw firsthand how relationship-driven businesses can deteriorate if people move away or you have a once in a lifetime COVID pandemic. those relationship-driven businesses had to go digital very quickly. And so oftentimes, you're putting these businesses that know nothing about digital marketing into a competitive landscape where they're just not going to be successful. And so that's really how we got to this idea of like, well, what if we gave them a new friend? What if they gave them a new best friend for marketing? Uh, Someone that they could go to with their ideas and information they've already put together, and it would help it turn into great marketing content. So that's ultimately how we landed on the product we wanted to build, which is helping people create marketing content that tells their story. Now the Charlie part of it just came naturally because like, who's everyone's best friend, the dog. Right. Ultimately. And, and if you're going to make great marketing content, then you better have a great mascot and there's nothing more engaging in marketing than dogs. Like Hand just, up. just yeah. straight up. So uh, dog, dogs just naturally lended into that. And, uh, that's ultimately how we got to Charlie being who he is today.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And you started off as uh or you started off in finance and then you yeah. transitioned into a tech founder. And I'm wondering yeah. uh how did that happen and like what are the what are the tips for someone else that wants to do that?
1: Yeah, so no no qualms against my friends in finance. I think finance is a great place to make a lot of money. There's um a guy named Naval ravakant who you know, I, I followed religiously there for a little bit where he said most people aren't actually pursuing what they want to pursue in life They in, until they have financial freedom. And for me, I think I was under the pursuit of financial freedom, but eventually I started making quite a well a decent chunk of money, relatively speaking. Um, and I started to realize that like, that didn't make things any better for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, you know, that kind of ultimately made me rethink... What is the value? What is the legacy I want to have? What is the, when I look back, how do I want to have spent my life? And for me, that turned into a transition and an understanding that my main driver in life is to make impact. And I felt that if I made impact, regardless of the amount of money that I made, I would be, I would feel fulfilled in the life that I had lived. And so when I started to think about that, the the field of finance made me feel so removed from that day-to-day impact um, and when I kind of came to it call it what you want I felt that entrepreneurial was a more noble pursuit to try to build products that people loved uh, to interact with people and figure out what their problems are and help solve them um, and to me I, I think that's kind of what impact was It it just led me to I want to jump into the portfolio company side of things rather than the giving people money side of things it just it felt like the more fun endeavor although I don't know if I would call all parts of this this journey fun at this point, but uh, but it's it's truly been the most rewarding career experience I've ever had.
2: Oh wow, that's that's really exciting to hear because I know again finance obviously you know you can still implement you know a lot of those those core strategies into go Charlie, but um, I guess my my question is you know. Personally, I don't have much of a AI background, um, but um, you know what? I guess how long did it take for your team to actually create this platform from beginning to present day?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So, I guess for the listeners out there, I am not the the coding brains on our team. We mm-hmm. have some amazing coders. We have two AI PhDs, and they we are a small but mighty four person team. Uh, so Ryan actually coded our MVP. Which the saying goes, if you uh, have dark mode in your product before you launch, you waited too long. Well, we didn't even have like a a great sign in process, but we built an MVP that functioned the way that we needed it to in May of 2021. And we kind of just put that out there to the market to see what people would say, get an idea of how it measured up with comparisons. And, and to say that it went well would be an overstatement. We we found out very quickly that there was a lot that we didn't know. And there was a lot that uh, we had undervalued that was very important to that experience. Mm-hmm. And so in September, we launched a completely revamped product and we've been off to the, the race and stem So if that is my, if there's one model I have for entrepreneurship, it's like make sure the voice of the customers is driving pretty much every decision you're making. Mm-hmm. Uh, so September to now, let's call it seven months. We've been building on this same
2: same thing. Well, congrats. That's, that sounds like you your team has reached so much success in that short period of time. And uh follow on question is um, I guess specifically, you know, was your customer market the same when you started or how has it evolved to present day? And then do you even have a, you know, potential future market um, you know, coming in the years to come?
1: Totally. Um, it's, it's a great question. I think it's one that I wish we would have spent a little bit more time with before we, before we launched that first MVP back in May, because we had the benefit of operating from there was other tools in the market that were similar. Mm -hmm. And so we could piggyback off of them. We could say that we did this differently. There was a reference point. Um, But ultimately, I think we were still figuring out, well, who is the right market? Because none of us on our team are marketers. We know Mm -hmm. how we receive marketing information. Mm -hmm. And so generally, we focused on copywriters at the beginning. Uh, And and we said that very generally. And I don't think that Mm -hmm. we got intimate enough with like a copywriter's life at that point. But through that first initial MVP launch and the AppSumo launch that we did for a very short period of time, we got Mm -hmm. 100 customers in. And those hundred customers Mm -hmm. gave us more information than we had had in years prior to that about this field. And so Mm -hmm. they would tell us, this is how I'm using your product. Half the time, that wasn't even how we intended it to be used. Uh, So then Mm -hmm. when we launched in September, we had more of an idea of, okay, we want to be more of a complete marketing portfolio suite. So we had three buckets of customers we were targeting. One is an SEO freelancer. So someone that writes tons of blogs and and marketing content to help with search index optimization. The second was we knew marketers needed to produce across a whole bunch of different platforms. And so Mm -hmm. we focused on like the social media marketer that's uh, writing the same message for Facebook, Instagram, Mm -hmm. LinkedIn, and Twitter, which all have different voices, all have different audiences. You need to adapt the messaging to those things, but Mm -hmm. keep the core the same. Mm -hmm. And then the third one was, um, was just uh, an act of being a customer of ourselves, entrepreneurs. Because if we thought about our early days and trying to scale the product, we got really, I wouldn't say screwed over, but we, we got mixed messages and ambiguous results from these agencies that we worked with. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's great agencies out there. We've worked with one now, but um, we wanted to give the tool to the entrepreneur that didn't know anything about marketing, a tool that could create great content. And then stack on top of that, the ability to create marketing strategies, marketing mm-hmm. objectives, changing your target audience. Uh, so those were the three buckets that we kind of focused on and that September launched to now. If I think about the future,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it, it's expanding the number of feats. So we feel we're getting a lot closer to product market fit with the capabilities that are within our platform. You know, I always want to be six months ahead, but we've developed our own large language model named Charlie. And for those that don't know what large language model means, I'll save you the research. Basically, ChatGPT is a large language model. We've built our own version of ChatGPT um, from scratch. So not even adapting their model, built it from scratch. And so when I think about the future of us, we still very much have those three core customer cohorts. Mm -hmm. But then we'll also be able to tackle the larger enterprises. Now, those have a much different need set um, where information security becomes a lot more paramount. Uh, mm-hmm. making sure that they, the information is customized to their business or their product library. And so that's why we're introducing brand voice. So I think mm-hmm. you're going to see us go from focusing on consumers f- and small individuals to expanding up to teams of, you know, five to 50 uh, in terms of customer profile. Wow.
0: Exciting. Thank you. Yeah. That's cool. I um you sort of caught my attention with something you said. You said you actually yeah. built your own LLM. And I'm wondering yeah. what was the process like for training an LLM?
1: Oh man. It's <laughs> uh it, it's it's very much more an art than a science, although you know that's that's platitude right there. I think for us, like it's it's weird. So there's the adage about like running a four-minute mile, right? Like once one person ran a four minute mile a bunch of people ran a four minute mile that same year and we always wanted to create our own model but i think we wanted to have more capital in the door to Mm -hmm. have some time to mess around and like fail a little bit unfortunately like we didn't have that capacity because last year was just a terrible year for fundraising Mm -hmm. and so we were like look there's been some advancements maybe we can take some shortcuts or take all the learnings that we've had from these research papers coming out to really make something of value that's smaller, but still achieves the same things. And so for us, there was a heavy, heavy data cleansing process, data gathering process. Fortunately, we have um, the platform which we anonymize any data that's received from that, but we have a thumbs up and thumbs down mechanism where people can rate content. So we're constantly getting feedback through the platform itself, and so we were able to cleanse that data and then focus on what do we want Charlie to be able to do as a model mm-hmm. now and in the future. And we built that logic in. We found the appropriate training data set, flow that through the model. Obviously, we failed a couple of times. The, the outputs sometimes are terrible. And so now we're finally to this place where the model's stable. It does, it's on par with ChatGPT and GPT4 in terms of marketing use cases, which is awesome. Uh, we're developing a research paper about it but I think the most important point for anyone building an LOM or AI application, it's making sure that you understand what you want it to do first, making sure that you have data that's representative of what good examples would be in that. And ultimately from there, you can build something of value. Um, I think you're gonna see this wave of tiny models coming out. You're already seeing it with Dolly, you're seeing it with um, not Dolly, Dolly like D-O-L-O-Y. Alpaca, Llama that came out of Meta, you're starting to see smaller models that punch above their weight that are a little bit more domain specific. So I think up to now you'd have large AI models that were released with more parameters, a trillion parameters, a small circle versus big circle social media posts. Now I think you're gonna start to see smaller models that are way more powerful and efficient, Mm -hmm. especially that eventually you'll be able to run one on your mobile phone.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. So did you guys start off uh, testing with an existing LLM and then decided to train your own? Or did you just go for your own right off the bat?
1: Yeah, so we, we at any given time right now, we have 15 models running uh, that back the Charlie platform. Um, so why that's important is we used private APIs. So we did use some OpenAI. AI. Uh, we used open source models, stable diffusion, uh, and heavily adapted that. And then in some cases we needed to build connective tissue between those models so for instance we had an image to text capability where you can upload an image it generates ad content um what we found was it was it was cool to do that but the coherence of thought being passed between the models in terms of you know this text is meant to create this but we want the images to also consider the same factors that wasn't available Mm uh and so we, start, we took a step back and we said look for where we want to go we want to be the de facto marketing engine uh, mm-hmm. that can help you ideate help you strategize help you uh, determine all the core factors and then ultimately help you create the content and maybe in the future distribute it as well but to do that we didn't feel that any of these models had been built with that logic in that, that they had been built with that idea and so that's what ultimately led us to build charlie ourselves mm-hmm. um is that the open source models didn't have any marketing acumen. And we wanted to build the marketing acumen into Charlie at the very foundation to build on top of that. Why that's also important is we look towards the future. We have aspirations of building multimodal models. And that means text and images in, text and images out, then maybe adding audio, then eventually adding video once you have all three of those. And to do that, you really need a model that's built with that in mind from the get-go.
2: Interesting. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. So obviously your, your Charlie model is a lot more uh, specialized towards marketing. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what happens if you ask it something that isn't a marketing question, will it identify that that's not its niche or will it just sort of like mumbo jumbo or what's (laughs) what happens there?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question. Like I was, I was surprised that being even integrated open AI as quickly as it did knowing that you could just like program hack uh, with prompts to, like make Sydney go crazy. Uh, For us, the answer is yes. It's been fine-tuned on marketing. So it might put out some gibberish if you ask something outside of marketing. But that's where we've also plugged it into the internet a little bit. Uh, So you can actually have Charlie research the internet and and come back with information. So it's not necessarily that Charlie would freak, freak out. It's still possible. But we try to make anything that's outside of marketing, kind of go ping the internet and come back with some sort of useful answer still possible that it doesn't, but my hope is that we've structured our marketing such that non-marketers aren't coming to the platform and we're focusing on people that need marketing uh, that do come.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So then to take a giant change in direction, i going to focus more on the business side of things now. Um, yeah. I'm wondering, can you either tell me about what your customer acquisition process looks like or just give general advice for founders, whichever you're more comfortable with?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I'm going to maybe make that question the question that I, I think would be super useful for founders to, to have answered, which is, how do you find your first customers? How do you find that first hundred? Uh, so for us, like none of us had experience in marketing. Uh, none of us had, you know, the distribution network. Like my whole network was finance people and finance people don't market. I found out the hard way. Um, some have side hustles, but that's about it. So what we did is we leveraged places that had built-in networks already. Uh, And we wanted to make sure that it had some intent to pay uh, accompanied with it so that we would know, hey, people are actually willing to give us money for this. We might be on something. So that's why we went to AppSumo. Uh, So AppSumo is a great platform for startups to get some visibility, uh, offer like a heavily discounted initial deal just to get people in the door trying the product get some initial love. And it also helps index and categorize your uh, product. So people that look for these deals are able to look and find it. There's even a black market of these products. So you can gauge this success of your startup by mm-hmm. the like price of this AppSumo code that people are selling after you've already ended the deal. So it's mm-hmm. kind of cool to see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, some other methods we use to acquire our first customers is I literally just went out on my LinkedIn and said, do I know any marketers? Are there any marketers in my network? And surprisingly, like 10 of my fraternity brothers reached out to me and they're like, yeah, my wife is in digital marketing or I have a couple of friends this Mm -hmm. way. So the the second piece of actionable advice is you probably have one of your customers in your network if you try hard enough to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, So leverage platforms that have inherent networks built into them and leverage the hell out of your network. Mm -hmm. And if, if none of those work, none of those work, then find a conference that has who you think would be your first customer and go to that and just give people a QR code and say, hey, I'm giving this out for free. Can you Mm -hmm. let me know if you like it? Those are three ways that we found our first customers.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And then I'm wondering, can you either talk about your go-to-market strategy or just give general advice for founders about go-to-market strategies?
1: Yeah, so I think we learned one lesson the hard way very early on, which was don't jump to your go-to-market without a very clear understanding of your customer. I think for us, we developed a go-to-market that was centered around just getting as many eyes and brand prestige on here. And I think it lacked the empathy for the customer that we were trying to target, and it lacked the understanding of where they might be living. And so I... I think the best part of any go-to-market strategy is a clear understanding of who your target customer is Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying like oh our target customers are social media marketer it's like no it's molly who watches Mm -hmm. you know um xyz show follows Mm -hmm. you know uh what's molly who do you follow on on podcasts who do you listen to on podcasts other than this amazing one
2: (laughs) guy ross is my favorite (laughs) podcaster yep
1: exactly so like you develop that profile and from that profile you actually find like well where where's the way that i can get in front of these people um and so like podcast is a great way that i get information now i think most modern generations do uh so getting clear on that really helped us drive our go-to-market strategy so for us our go-to-market is very much product-led and the way that we do that is a couple different ways one we had a product community from day one so that that's on facebook again that decision driven by the uh, customer profile. We built that right into the platform so you can click a button and you're into the group. And then that's where people can discuss uh, what they like to do. We then also gave those people an opportunity to make money off of our product. So we are like, hey, you are a person that's paying for our product. You probably know more people that would want to pay for our product. So we set up an affiliate program. So what we saw was that people would share it with their friends. They'd make their 30% cut we'd still have a healthy margin. And ultimately, um, we'd get 20% conversion off of that because people are then selling it for us, which is amazing. Uh, And then I think third, now that we've expanded to have teams, we'll likely go into a bit more of a a direct sales approach. So I call it product-led sales because we're really letting the determination of our customers' needs drive the roadmap, which then drives what we develop and ultimately what we develop then drives the sales motion. Um, a little bit different than your normal direct sales capabilities, but for a team of our size, product led is a lot more efficient from a spend perspective.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. And we wanted to thank you for taking the time to come on and share both about your company and your, your journey and your advice. We're wondering, are there any last uh, pieces of advice you want to, you want to share or anything you want to tell our audience about go Charlie?
1: Yeah. Um. So let's do one for the company and, and one for personal um, for, for the company, you know, AI is going to change everything as we know it. And my best advice to anyone listening to this podcast, anyone that's thinking about future proofing their careers, just just to jump in and don't feel stupid when you don't get it right the first time. I'm still not the best at prompting these AI engines. There's people that are way better than me that use our product and, I think the more time that you spend with it, the more context that you give these things, the better it can perform. But Ultimately, it's still going to be the human spark that that really drives it. So just get your feet wet and, and see where it takes you. Um, personal uh, item, I think, is somewhat tied to what I, I said at the beginning of the call, which is figure out as early as humanly possible how it is that you're going to judge the success of your life. And then make sure that you understand the way that you need to live for that to happen. Um, and too often in this fast-paced world, we don't sit and take the time to do it. And I'm very guilty of it myself. And I don't think that I'm perfect at it. But the more time you spend with that, the clearer everything becomes.
0: That sounds awesome. That's a good note to wrap it up on. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you guys want to go to, you guys want to try out Go Charlie, what's what's the URL again, real quick?
1: Yeah, gocharlie.ai. So, g o c h a r l i e. dot ai.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Brennan.